Hello and welcome to episode 106 of Your Mileage May Vary. This is your host, Mike. Keith remains out of the country. He's coming back tomorrow. At least he promises he is. So what I've done for today is to interview someone who made a movie about polyamory. Uh, Her name is Stephanie Sellers, and she is both the writer and the main character in the movie, which is really interesting. Uh, The movie is called Lust, Life, Love, and you can check it out online at lustlifelove.com or find it on any of the major video-on-demand platforms. You can also find Stephanie on social media. Um, Most of the episode is going to be dedicated to my interview with her. But as usual, if you want to ask us any questions or leave any comments or feedback, you can reach us at ymmvpod at gmail.com, on Twitter at ymmvpod, and I will also include information about the movie in the show notes. So if you didn't catch that URL, you can find it later. I actually highly recommend you check it out. I really enjoyed it and found it pretty interesting. So without any further ado, on with the interview. I'm here with Stephanie Sellers, uh, who has written and starred in the film Lust, Life, Love. Stephanie, are you with us? I am. Great. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, about the film, about yourself, sort of how this came about? Yeah. So I am a writer, filmmaker, and performing artist, actress, singer, and uh, and Lust, Life, Love is a film about a bisexual polyamorous woman who falls for a monogamous married man and discovers that uh, her chosen lifestyle has more challenges than she thought. And so I, uh, the, the film was inspired by my personal experience with polyamory and non-monogamy and I started writing the screenplay while I was in uh, film school in the graduate film program at Columbia University and um, and yeah I knew I wanted to to make a movie about this subject because uh, it has always fascinated me and then it's it's been a passion of mine and I've lived it and I haven't seen polyamory and non-monogamy portrayed in film or on TV in a way that felt really authentic to, to my experience at least. And oh. oh yeah, it was often from an outsider perspective and just like sensationalized or, or either sensationalized or just, um, kind of skewing toward the, the negative side of the, the, this lifestyle, like showing how, you know, fucked up people can be in this. <laughs> sure. Uh, but even though that does happen in the film and my, <laughs> in um, my, my story, it's, you know, it's rooted in, in, in truth and in, in real experience. Yeah, so I, I, as I told you before we started recording, I've watched it, I guess, one and a half times, and that's mostly because there were some scenes I wanted to revisit. I really found it compelling. Um, and 
basically the first thing I wrote in my notes here is, and you've answered it, I think, is to the extent to which it's autobiographical. I didn't realize when I was watching it that you um, played the, the main character, Veronica, in the film, which is mm-hmm. which is really cool. Is I mean, to what extent is the movie autobiographical? It sounds like a significant extent. Yeah, I mean, the basic storyline is, but it's heavily fictionalized. So okay. it's inspired by a time in my life when... I was solo polyamorous where I, I had um, multiple relationships, but no primary relationships. Okay. I'm sorry, no primary relationship, but I had multiple partners that all knew about each other. And I felt very confident and uh, safe doing that. And then I, I did meet a guy who was... Uh, married and had no experience of non-monogamy at all but he was fascinated by me and very curious and his marriage was on the rocks and he was in this weird um don't ask don't tell situation with his wife and so you know that's that's the premise that the film is based on so that's all true and then in terms of the specificity of the characters it is, uh, and, and the scenes that take place, um, you know, that some of the characters are like amalgams of a few people I've known or had experiences with. So it's not just based on one person. Um, Got it. So the, and, um, yeah. the primary sort of... Uh, this 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 married guy that that, that yeah. the primary character um, uh, meets up with is named Daniel in the film, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so just so our listeners know who I'm talking about because I'll probably use his name, and um, so okay, so that's that's something you experienced, and he it it seemed like is that 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 he wasn't in a don't ask don't tell situation until you met him or until you until the Veronica character met him is that right like he was basically unhappy or not sort of like they were sort of celibate in their marriage and then you know he he meets this character and um he sort of introduces the lifestyle to his wife and she's she responds in the way i think actually i actually thought i found that uh, scene extremely believable Mm -hmm. where she she didn't say no Mm -hmm. but she basically said i'm not interested at all in this uh what was your what was your thinking as you wrote that i mean is that have you experienced that that uh someone reacting that way uh yeah, a, f- a few of my former partners at the the time when I met the guy who inspired Daniel, um, had, most of my partners did not were not interested in in dating other people, and I think that's why it's felt so safe to me because I had there was no challenge to me, and I and it, there was you know one partner who did inspire one of the other characters in the film, um, uh, a Mexican lover, Pedro right. in the film, um, the partner that, that, that character was based on actually did have a girlfriend in Mexico, but it didn't feel threatening to me because she was far away in Mexico and he wasn't with anyone else in New York. And anyway, so, um, that scene that you're pointing out, yeah, actually now I, I forgot that, that we, um, you know, change, change the chronology. So like 
in my actual experience, uh, the man who inspired Daniel was already in that arrangement with his wife when I met him. Got it. But huh. when you're when you're you're making a movie, when you're you're adapting um, real experience into a narrative that works dramatically on screen, sure. you have to change some of the facts. And of course, you know, there's no reason for me to to stick to the facts because it's I'm not making a documentary. I'm making a I made a narrative film, not a documentary. So sure. So yeah, yeah. one one thing that I noticed there was that the the uh, Veronica talks a lot about boundaries, basically mm -hmm. having very clear sets of rules that mm -hmm. you know that being a, a really important element of maintaining that lifestyle so it can so it can work for everybody which makes sense mm -hmm. to me and however uh in the sort of initial scene where daniel and veronica first sort of become physically intimate it seems like she's sort of changes her mind or like doesn't decides that that's not yeah i mean like w was that your intention to sort of show that the that there's some issue with boundaries or like it, it, it it's difficult to maintain them if you're in a situation where you're very attracted to somebody Yes. Yeah. Right. Is Veronica breaks one of her agreements that she has with her girlfriend. Uh, and. And so does Daniel actually, because he's, he, his wife right. does not know he's going to do that. That's right. He's technically, technically cheating. Actually, they both are cheating right. just in, in different ways. He's cheating in, in the monogamous in the, you know, the monogamous version of cheating and, and she, she cheats in the, in the poly version. <laughs> right. And well, and presumably there's actually a third element of cheating going on, I think, which mm -hmm. would be that she doesn't actually want to be with a guy who's not being honest with his partner. Right. Isn't that right? Yeah, okay. that, that is right. Cause you know, she's all about honesty and um, it, 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 she feels bad, you know, it, um, being the one with whom he is cheating, like you know that that does not feel good to her. That brings up like guilt and like you know, there's something not right about that. Okay, well, so so that brings up for me a question about so my my co-host actually who's not who's not here, he's in Central America still. Keith has been in an ethically non-monogamous monogamous relationship before. He was in one pretty recently. And essentially what he came to conclude was that it basically meant monogamous because he actually tried to um, be honest with people with, with potential he, – he's, he's a heterosexual man and he tried to be honest with potential partners. And basically as soon as he was honest about his relationship status, they became uninterested in him, which sort of makes sense to me because they were hmm. – predominantly going to be interested. I mean, you know, they're interested in a monogamous situation typically. And so once he's honest about his situation, it becomes mm -hmm. really difficult. And so his, his, his take was like, well, this can never work because, well, that's too strong, but like he got a mm -hmm. sense that it could never work because of that. I'm curious if you have, you have thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, it depends on where you're looking to find partners. If you're looking or just meeting people, you know, by chance, um, if, like dating if, apps. Yeah, if you're looking, um, you know there are there are dating apps with po poly options or like dating apps that are specifically for 
like people looking for non-monogamous relationships. So, I mean, that's the first thing to just know where you're, no, you're, don't like bark up the wrong tree. <laughs> Got it. So you're sort of fishing in the wrong pond. To, to, yes. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Um, so yeah. I mean, that, yeah. I mean, in the the film depicts and and your and on your website, which we're going to link uh, in the show notes, uh, uh, where people can go to watch the film. Um, you mention some clubs in New York City, and there's one depicted in the film uh, several times. I think it's the same club each time. Is that right? Yeah, there are two depicted in the film. The okay. more like par- parties, not clubs. Yeah, mm-hmm. there was there is a club though, right? I, f- I forget the name of it. Um, do you remember the name of the club? Well, in there's the film? Chemis- chemistry. Chemistry. Is the, that's it. Is the one where Veronica and Daniel first meet, and okay. that's the first the first party scene very early on in the film. So it's a it's a real party, and the, and the the organizers uh, wanted me to use the name of their event they they like the promotion they don't they didn't like i i told them i because originally in the script i had uh i had a different name for the event okay and i see and, yeah and they actually like no you can use our name and they and the they helped out with the production design of those party scenes we actually shot them in a space where parties have taken place with all of their mattresses and props and um, even down to the, the signs posted on the walls saying um, like consent is sexy and don't, don't, uh, you know, no means no and things like that, all theirs. And so. Okay. There's, a, so, there's yeah. like a documentary element in, in that aspect of the film. That's really interesting to me because, I mean, the thing I was going to ask you is like, is, 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 is like that, is that a realistic portrayal? And you're basically saying it, it's like <laughs> more than, re, more than realistic. It's, it basically is Absolutely. real, which is super interesting. I mean, the, the first pass thing I think when I see something like that is, well, isn't there, okay, isn't there some, first of all, issue with way more men wanting to come to something like that than women mm-hmm. and some kind of. I don't know, issue with the attractiveness of the people, the relative attractiveness, some kind of gap there mm-hmm. of the people that come. Like the people and the people that you depicted in the in the movie are pretty attractive. Like it seems like mm-hmm. a it's surprisingly so f- from my perspective, but but maybe I've got it all wrong. So I'm curious your thoughts. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Uh most of these parties and um I've been to a lot of different different parties in the New York area and and they all do some kind of screening have some kind of screening process or membership deal where in uh, a lot of them that are catered more toward couples like male female couples where the females usually bisexual okay they there's an application process. Chemistry has a questionnaire that you have to fill out. You have to send photos, but I don't think they are, they don't really judge by looks so much. It's okay. more about your attitude and your intention, your, um, just your intelligence about relationships and sexuality and, um, 
So it's either a questionnaire and or or, or you know, submitting photos. You know, uh, some parties may be more interested in you know maybe more discerning about looks than others. Or, um, but most of them, most that I've attended and that I enjoy are the ones that are more interested in in intentionality and attitude and respect and you know just want to weed out people who are just looking to get laid you know who don't really understand anything you think you can do that with you think you can do that with a questionnaire i mean i guess i mean from the first past thought i have is that requiring it to be a couple would be extremely Mm -hmm. effective there but i mean i think that if you opened it if you allowed single men I mean, I'm a, I'm a guy, so I feel like I, yeah. can, I can attack my own gender here. Like if you allowed <laughs> single men or just men to apply yeah. as a, by themselves, that I think you would, it would be really hard to screen them out because there'd be this whole like subreddit dedicated to how do you, yeah. you know, get into this club. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really tricky and chemistry, they have dealt with this by having different tiered prices for couples versus singles like single men are not (laughs) single men are not really permitted to come like single men must have a be accompanied by a woman so a single man can go with a friend you don't even have to be sexual with that person um the price for a single female is much lower than the couple price uh, I mean, that's somehow uh, I, I, the like that makes sense to me. Like, the, I'm, I'm thinking rationally. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I was the one who just said you would be inundated with people, but I mean, it, it runs <laughs> it runs countercurrent a little bit to the notion of polyamory, right? I mean, you're basically yeah. you're admitting that you're admitting that there is one gender that would inundate such a place. And it's it's I've always had trouble with this, and um, mm-hmm. because party not not to not to judge chemistry or any like parties that operate in this way. But my experience is that there's less diversity. There's less gender and sexual diversity at parties that operate in that way. Hmm. I am more drawn to, because I am a queer woman, bisexual, I, I am drawn to more queer events where there, um, there are men who are not uh, not intimidated by men playing with each other or that you right. know what regardless of what how what their orientation is or um you know uh, parties that have more queer queer couples or singles or you know just like a more diverse range of of people like sexually and gender wise um, is your, and your- yeah Go ahead. I was going to ask if, if in your experience with that sort of a, a situation, if if this issue I described, maybe maybe that having that orientation um, filters out folks just because people are more likely to understand what the point of the party is, and then yeah, self self filter. Is that there? Kind of yeah, a thing there that another, There are some other parties that I've attended that are more open to anyone like they don't have the tiered pricing they have one single price for everyone and oddly and ironically it 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 has it's 
it hasn't led to like too many straight men showing up. Hmm. So like it's all like all the rules and restrictions that certain parties impose in order to avoid the problem of too many men has actually been avoided by lifting that restriction. Lifting which uh, restriction? The res- the tiered pricing and and the uh, I see you know s- single like no single men can come. Uh, I've been to other parties that are to- open to to you, you, it doesn't matter. You can come as a single. You can come as a couple. It's the same price, and they've been more diverse and queer in my experience. The, yeah, the first past, past thing that comes to my mind is that when you advertise or advertise is probably the wrong word, but when, when it's, when it's known that a situation is going to be queer friendly, that might Mm -hmm. basically be like kind of kryptonite for a lot of straight men. Just realistically. I also think that the more couple oriented parties are, uh, I think they market more, they do more marketing and promotion. Mm -hmm. Um, like they've been written about, they've had, you know, media coverage, whereas, so, so people who who are are ha, don't have much experience with non-monogamy. It's a couple that are just starting to open up their relationship. They're more likely to find those parties. So that's that why sense. you know those parties continue to uh, operate in that way, and they tend to draw the same types of couples and more, more inexperienced people, which is another problem, (laughs) but the, the, the parties that are more open tend to be more underground and word of mouth. That makes sense. Yeah. I assume the issues that come up are things like boundaries, consent rules, Mm -hmm. things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, obviously you've done a ton of thinking about, um, uh, this, this area in general, and I'm curious if you've redrawn any conclusions about Kind of what lies at the heart. Uh, I mean, do you view this as sort of a lifestyle? Do you view it as an orientation? Is this something that you, uh, you personally, or people that do this, were bound to do because uh, it's something that's within them, or is it a choice? Uh, and, and sort of, what do you think lies at the heart of 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 that? We, you know, if it's a choice, then it's like, well, what what, what motivates that choice? And if it's not a choice, well, then I guess there's nothing at the heart of it. It's just sort of nature. But I'm just curious your thoughts there. Yeah, uh, all of the above. Okay. I think it's I think it's nature and nurture. It's it's something that it that exists within an individual. This desire to be with more than one person, to explore sexually, uh, and then and then uh, and then the nurture of you know access to the resources to in order to be able to do it, um, whether or not it's a choice. So that's where the choice, yeah, that's where the choice part comes in. So that just because the desire is there, if there, if there aren't any resources uh, or if someone is stuck in a small town somewhere and doesn't, you know, have a community where they can connect with other like-minded people, who are non-monogamous, um, I'm, I'm sure they, they could find it online, right? Sure. But, but um, in terms of having actual experiences, physical experiences, then 
a lot of it has to do with, you know, knowing, <laughs> knowing where to look, knowing how to connect. And there, there are a lot of um, events in New York City that are not sexual, but they're more like social events where you can connect with other poly people or kinky people or, you know, make out parties and so not like full on sex parties, but, but just um, mixers, really. So well, that's so, another place where to find people like speaking of your partner who was running into all these women who didn't want to be non-monogamous. So, you know, other than online dating, dating, finding um, actual events where you can meet, meet people, that's another way to go. Well, I think part of the problem that he has, and I bet this is common, is, well, Okay, I take that back. This could be common. <laughs> is that um, look what he really wants? This is my my co-host. What he what I what I think he really wants. Um, speaking for him here is he wants to be non monogamous, but he doesn't want he doesn't want to join the community. He wants he wants uh, to be the more sort of not the only one. That's not the right way to say it. But I'm not sure if he would be comfortable, you know, joining joining a community that's that's built around that. I, right. I, I, I suspect that this is common among straight men. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's not. It's not like you have to join a community and that you, um, you know, you have to attend all these events or you have to like live in a poly house or something like that. It's more just. Uh, I mean, ha- I mean. He has to meet people somewhere, right? Sure. So it's not. Sure, but it's just it's. I, I think it's. I think it's a fundamental like. Yeah. There's a symmet- There's a symmetry that, um, the 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 rules, the boundaries, the communication creates where right. everybody's everybody's on the same page. Everybody's doing the same thing. But I think there's this, and actually, this gets to another question I have for you about ex- exploring. Um, I think that for a lot of straight men, just like the kind of imperative there for mm-hmm. a lot of folks is just they want to, you know, they want to explore, I guess, but mostly they just want to kind of be as uh, promiscuous is the wrong word, but, you know, they want to <laughs> have sex with as many different people as possible. And I'm curious, like, if you set that aside, that sort of desire that I think you could argue there's some like genetic or biological basis to it. It's kind of an animal desire, maybe. Um, I think when you talk about exploring, you're talking about something a little different from that. When you mm. say people going to a club or a party to explore what's 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 possible, mm-hmm. um, and, and 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 I think this is you know from a female perspective, it's probably interesting too because I'm not sure that women would have the same drive a man would have there, kind of biologically, maybe. But yeah, I'm curious what you mean by explore, basically. Like what what kinds yeah. of things would you explore? Is it is it exploring different personalities, exploring how different people uh what, what they do, what they how they express themselves, what they look like, or is it all of the above? Yes. All of the above and and but mostly about like being in touch with your own sexual desires and, and romantic desires and and exploring them with actual people and not I mean you could just you could explore it through porn or yes. you know, your fantasy um, but the kind of exploration that that I'm 
more interested in is, um, you know, actual live exploration. <laughs> so it, it could in, involve kink, uh, fetishes or, you know, polyamory or what, you know, whatever your desires are and going there and, you know, finding people who are willing to explore them with you. Do you think that's um, like some kind of an extension of, I'm thinking of the dichotomy between introverted and extroverted people. I'm, despite mm-hmm. co-hosting a podcast, I'm pretty <laughs> introverted myself. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, extroverted people have a desire to, I mean, I, I realize these are kind of blunt categories, but they have a desire generally to, or get a lot out of meeting new people, having yeah. shared experiences with other people. Do you think this is some kind of, ex- in other words, is there like an introverted version of this or would an introvert, introvert just be like, yeah, I'd rather sit at home and watch porn. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm an introvert too. Mostly I okay. have, I have both sides and like sexually I'm more extroverted because I, why I, uh, <laughs> uh Generally, I'm an introvert, but I sexually can be very exhibitionist, um, but shy about the social aspect. <laughs> so um, for introverts, there are websites or communities like FetLife, for example, mm-hmm. where you can find... Uh, if you have a specific something specific that you're looking for, you can find people to who would be interested in doing something one on one. It seemed I, I don't think I'm revealing much to say that it seemed like there was a significant amount of. Let's see in the film. It it occurred to me that like there, there was there was multiple there were multiple depictions of. I guess maybe bondage is the wrong word, but some kind of like domination submission play. Is that fair mm-hmm. to say? Yeah, is that like, yeah. I wanted is that depict- to. In- Go ahead. Oh, oh, I, I just, I want, I included BDSM in mm-hmm. in the film um, because I've I've had experience with that. I enjoy it, and it's like part. There's a lot of overlap between you know sex parties and polyamory, and not not everyone who's poly goes to sex parties. And I think there's a line about that in the film. Right. Um, Veronica says to Daniel, Oh, I, like after a sex party, he says, Oh, so does this mean I'm poly now? And she says, no, <laughs> going to a sex party doesn't make you poly. So right. there is a very clear distinction at the same time. There is overlap. A lot of poly people do enjoy sex parties. Um, and there are some, people who go to sex parties but are not don't identify as polyamorous they're just exploring sexually but they don't they don't like date people outside of their primary relationship they're just more like swinging that makes sense do you yeah. think that do you think that in the so you described the BDSM stuff as as a um something that that interests you and and you can reveal yeah. if you want sort of how your approach whether you're more on one side or the other or both if you mm-hmm. if you want uh, want to discuss that, but I'm curious if there's like what the kind of yeah what what what's the what what is the enjoyment that that that's gotten out of that? Is it is it purely 
uh, lust or sexual, or is there some kind of no. therapeutic aspect to it as well, or something else? I would say, yeah, I would say it's mostly psychological and okay. emotional. Yeah, because it, it's power dynamics. You're have you have a sub and a dom, and so there's a hierarchy. There's one person who's higher than the other in terms of who's controlling the situation. Like that's the setup of it, but it just sounds like society. Yeah. (laughs) But, but then actually what's so interesting is that, you know, men who go to see doms and dungeons, like professional doms are usually like in really high powered positions in their, in their work. They're like alpha males are very controlling in their lives and then and then they go to a dom and they're they want to be completely humiliated like i i i haven't i i tried to work as a dom for like two weeks when i was (laughs) in my early 20s but mostly just from reading and hear um hearing about other people's experiences other dom doms i've encountered that a lot of the the men and it's I don't know many women who actually pay to see doms, but um, that's interesting. That's yeah. That's anyway. So it's like a a lot of the time there's a role reversal going on. (laughs) And um, so the very controlling person wants actually wants to not be in control. Does that Um, mean that, that you think that many times there are women who want to dominate or does it mean that they're just men? It's always men wanting stuff. I'm just, um, I was just talking about in the professional realm of, sure. of doms who work professionally and like the types of clients they have, but it, it, in the party scene or just, just in personal exploration, uh, yeah, it goes both ways, you know, female doms, male doms, um, you know, women doming men, men doming women, um, and I, I, I wanted to include that aspect in the film. I mean, because I think it just it brings so much more dimension and so like cinematic and it's visual to see how the power dynamics between the characters are like played out in these BDSM scenes, right? So it's just like another way to show what's going on between. Well, the it also strikes me that for you personally. I mean, one of the things that you've done in this film is you've revealed yourself in these types of scenes publicly, right? That must also have an element of this for you personally, right? Yeah. I mean, that's partly why I played the role because I didn't think I would be able to find an actress who would be as open about the nudity and and the sex scenes like going as far as I did. Uh, it's not. Ju- it's not just that. No. If I. If I. Uh, so just as a comment. Yeah. Um, I. I suspected as I watched the movie, but I had not. I think I mentioned at the top of the show that I had not actually checked that the that you, <laughs> the writer, had played that role. However, I had a suspicion while watching the movie because your demeanor is some somehow, and I don't know. Maybe maybe some of the other character, maybe some of the other mm-hmm. actors, actresses, mm-hmm. and actors. Um, also have this kind of life experience, you know, have more experience and are more knowledgeable in, in this area. But, but I, there was something about the way you played the role that seemed very, 
sure. It's like sure of there was there was some element to it that felt very very believable. <laughs> that made me suspect yeah. that that it was both autobiographical and that it might be you playing that role. I yeah. like to think that it's just my my good acting. <laughs> um, that and just committing myself completely to the scene, you know, um, yeah. a part of acting, whatever the role is to use your actual emotional experience, even you, even if you've never experienced something that you're acting, um, there's something in your life that you can access, use as a substitute to really, you know, to inspire the emotions that are required for the scene or another, another approach is just be fully present in what's happening. So to forget the camera, that the cameras are there, forget that you're making a movie that you're just there with, with these other human beings who are also, you know, they're, they're playing roles, but they're present, they're breathing, they're doing whatever they're doing in the scene. And Right. So, yeah. That makes sense. So one one element, another element that I thought was pretty interesting was there there was a a part of the film where you depicted a triad. I think the word was triad, right? Where it's three mm-hmm. people yeah. who are viewing themselves in a uh like a thruple, a couple with three yeah. people. That's another word and, for it. Yeah, and that didn't well, I don't want to give anything away, but like first of all, mm-hmm. I'll just say that it was a male female female triad. Mm-hmm. And I was curious um and this this leads into there's I, I have some questions about because there was also a scene involving a, sort of a brief amount of kind of investigating um, male male activity and I was sort of curious about that too. But first of all, I'm curious about the triad. Like, is that a realistic depiction in that it's kind of typically a man and two women? Is it or is that not typical? Is this a thing that 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 happens a lot? Is it something you've encountered a lot? And is it stable? Can it be stable? Like, does this work well? Or is it, is it, is it something that's inherently unstable because it's like kind of like there's always one person that's left out. I'm sort of curious about how the, how in your mind that can work and why you included it and so forth. Yeah. I included that because I, I've had some triad experiences. I had at least one and, and many attempts at triads. Uh, And it's, it's, it was something that my, partner and I were most interested in because our agreement was that because of my insecurities, I felt most comfortable, um, you know, having experiences with him, like dating other people together as a couple. And I was really only interested in mostly on, interested in uh, in women other women not not a man man because my primary partner was a man okay uh and whether or not it's sustainable or or if it if it's common like two two females and one male i would say i don't know for sure but i i would say that that's probably the most common uh type of triad and they they can last for years. I, I, I think I've heard of cases, but um, I think typically they don't last very long. I The longest triad 
I was in was six months. Okay. But, um, yeah. And what was, did I answer all your questions? You did. No, sorry. I threw a lot at you there. I mean, yeah, I'm curious about the, um, it's, it, it strikes me that, you know, there's a, there's a, uh, you know, things tend to operate in like a gender binary and it seems like there's in this, um, sort of poly poly situation, there is still kind of a binary in the sense that, um, what you were describing kind of having a male partner already and then having another female partner. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think there's also an element or I suspect I should say that there's also an element of men not wanting to play with other men. Is that, is that, is that a, a a challenge? Is that a, a reality? It is a reality and like at certain, certain types of parties, like, like the two types of parties I was uh, talking about earlier, the parties that are more catered toward less experienced couples, male, female couples. um, Those are the situations where the men, the men are more straight and uh, not as open sexually like to exploring queerness themselves um and some people express skepticism about i think that it's easier put it this way for people to accept bisexuality as a real thing real is Mm -hmm. not the right word but you know i think you know what i mean as (laughs) as a as a as a it's easier to view it to, to to it's more surprising to people maybe to see to to hear about or encounter a bisexual man than a woman, I suspect that it's more common among women. Also, I don't know if you if, if you have any experience in that demand, dimension. Yeah i I don't really know because I don't want to I don't want to speak for sure statistics that I'm not aware of. Like, but I'd say there probably you know. Just throughout history, heterosexual men have had more problems with their sexuality than yeah than women in general. I mean, maybe just just like looking at politics and how. What do you think is going on there? Like, do you have any thoughts on that? uh, I think it's just fear of their own latent sexual desires, like their own possibly homoerotic desires that they don't want to confront. So they'll rail against it. Right. It does. I mean, there's obviously famous cases where politicians who are very against uh, gay marriage or what have you turn out to be uh, gay. So that I I don't disagree. Right. Yeah. (laughs) It has. And uh, yeah, for sure. And, and I, I've often wondered, although I've had people vehemently disagree with me about this, but I've often wondered about whether, um, what am I trying to say? That some some men um, like laws against certain activities, um, mm-hmm. things things like things things as simple as like the fact that um, telling somebody to blow me is like an epithet. Right. right? Yeah. The reason it's an epithet, I think, is because of male like male psychology around that. That men view that as a negative act, and then it's like, well, wait a minute, but this is a reality. From the vast majority of women, it's it's like a thing they do. It's so much. <laughs> you know? There's so much homophobia and internalized homophobia, and I mean, right. 
gay men, straight men, bi men, queer men, all like men in general, so much homophobia. With women, bisexuality, like sex between women is like, oh, that's hot. You know, guys looking at women getting in, getting it on and getting turned on. Whereas right. they, and then I'm talking about like, you know, a typical kind of straight guy, a type of straight guy that is, um, you know, very, very conditioned by society. And this not, it's not totally their fault, but um, this is the program they, that they grew up with. So there's a, cannot be gay. I'm, cannot be any tiny bit gay. That's just really bad. And there's a lot right. of shame and absolutely like cannot go there at all. And therefore the epithets. And yes. then, but, oh my God, look at her. Look at those two women. That's so fucking hot. Seeing them make out wet t-shirts. Oh my God. I want a piece of that. I want to watch that. I want to masturbate to that. So there's a double standard for sure. Do you, do you view two men uh, together as equally interesting to watch as two women? Um, I mean, it depends on my mood. I, I, okay. I what I was very turned on by my partner exploring with men, like, uh, you know, he he did not he did not identify as bisexual, um, but you know had had certain desires when he was younger that he didn't act on, hmm. and sort of um, had some experiences with me, and. And I, I found that very much a turn on, and I don't know. Maybe, no. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, oh, the the um, uh, yeah, I was cu curious about. So actually, we've encountered a number of situations, interviewing people, answering questions, dealing with different comments from people, um, where the opposite happens. Where mm. when a man expresses those desires, acts on them. In some mm -hmm. way, I, I'll give you just like a, the most common example is um, a couple agree to a, a male female couple agree to have an MMF threesome, and the man, mm -hmm. you know, plays with the other man, and then the woman dumps him <laughs> because she oh. says, "Oh, you've you've emasculated yourself. Like you're not huh. you're not as strong to me anymore." So I think the opposite can happen too. You're saying that for you wow. it was not that at all, and you're surprised by that, yeah? Yeah, I. Yeah, I, I, that's, it's sad to me when, when that happens. And that's also happened with, with, um, MFF threesomes where mm -hmm. the guy, um, is really excited about the fantasy of it, but the reality of seeing his partner with another woman is like, and that what they're experiencing is threatening to him in some way, because like, Oh, he he can't give her what you know a woman can, or something. There's something about that that's very threatening, and right. and so it happens you talk on about, both yeah. sides. Yeah, you talk about that a bit in the film. Uh, there's jealousy, and then I'm going to get the word wrong. It's like pugamy. What's the correct word? Uh, compersion. Compersion. That's it. Yeah. I'm sorry, I was, my, <laughs> my vocabulary of, skills. It's the, basically the opposite of jealousy when you feel 
when you experience positive feelings about your partner being being with someone else, being sexual or romantic with someone else, yeah, is that something that comes naturally to you, or something that you've had to um, cultivate and work on, or does or uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming that you are able to accomplish that uh, or have that emotion. It, yeah, it has it has come naturally to me, but it's like as naturally as <laughs> as jealousy. Frankly, they're both natural responses um and i think it just comes down to feeling secure feeling safe in your relationship and if you have feeling safe within yourself that whatever's happening is not you know triggering fears of abandonment or you know being left out uh so the compersion thing is I've experienced it more when I've, you know, visually witnessed my partner being happy with someone, someone else. And usually it was someone who I was also involved with. So that helped. (laughs) Right. Um, So I've struggled. I've struggled a lot. I've struggled a lot with, with, with compersion. So I felt it very strongly, but in like certain only with, with the right ingredients, you know, it's, it's definitely challenging. That makes sense. Yeah. I wanted to actually wanted to circle back on this. Sorry, this, the, uh, the, the, uh, two men topic for a second, because I was curious, yeah. like in, in this, it, it, would you, gen- I mean, it's hard to generalize, but would you say that this is like, that's a relatively is it is it is is polyamory a gateway for men to exploring that? Yeah, I think there's definitely more openness in in poly communities and um, more for sure. You're gonna you know find a lot less homophobia in in poly, at poly events or poly you know, poly communities. Okay, so you so you think that. Um, well, maybe the people, maybe the men who are attracted to those events and so forth already have an interest in that area, but maybe, mm-hmm. well, of course they probably already have an interest, but maybe, maybe it kind of unlocks, unlocks their, or decreases their unwillingness, decreases their unwillingness to sort of explore that area. It sounds like well, that, that. I think that, yeah, it comes down to what is, what is the bar for normal? Like I'm using air quotes. What is the bar for normal and typical if you know, in society, that bar is heteronormative. Um, and that's like the world you're living in. That's the messages that you're getting. That's the, the, the movies that you watch. And the, that's what's on the menu. Um, then that's, I mean, it's not going to encourage desires or behavior that are outside of that norm. But if you're in a world where it is a norm, then it's easier, I think, to access uh, those desires. It's easier to access them. It's easier to just accept them. And once you've done that, then the next step is to actually explore them and act on those desires. And where, you know, you're not... there there's already acceptance. So there's no fear of, you know, what one would hope there's 
you know, there's sure. no fear of being judged, no fear of being ostracized or being discriminated against and all of that. One of our listeners and uh, sometimes guests on the program wanted me to ask you if if you thought that sometimes um, sometimes folks in these situations are really looking for uh, how do I describe it? She, she was describing it as like, have you seen the TV show Sister Wives? Not <laughs> really. Embarrassing to, okay, it's <laughs> embarrassing to bring that up, but basically, like a situation where the and she was couching it as women, but it doesn't have to be women. But basically, mm-hmm. that they're interested in some kind of a financial arrangement or something like that in a group arrangement, but essentially are actually viewing viewing that as a way to kind of get out of sex. Is that is that something you've encountered? Hmm. You mean it in polyamory or in yes, yes, in polyamory. Uh, basically, the the notion of like a triad or a, a oh. I don't know what you would say for four people, but basically the idea that let's say it's one man and multiple women, that then it actually decreases the amount of uh, sexual stress on any individual woman because the man sort of is spread more thin. <laughs> she wanted me to ask you. That. <laughs> well, um, I guess if. I mean, that's, that's a kind of, that could be a motivation for a couple to open up their relationship if, 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 you know, they have different sexual appetites for sure. Like if, if let's say it's a a man and a woman in a relationship and the guy feels like he's not getting enough sex and then he has a conversation with his wife, let's say they're very open. Let's just assume that and said, Hey, I don't want to cheat on you. Um, but I, I really need more sex and I don't want to pressure you to give it to me if you don't want that. And I love you, but I mean, is it okay with you if I have other experiences, other sexual experiences, or is it okay if, if, if I go out on dates with other women so I can fulfill this part of myself? That's the like ideal conversation, right? (laughs) Well, I'm not sure if it's ideal from the, from the spouses or the partner's perspective who is being told that, right? It could be, I mean, yeah, as I mentioned, yeah, at the beginning, the conversation Daniel has in the movie with his wife uh, felt very realistic to me that she would just be not happy about that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a similar conversation, but it's, it's like, what do you, what's the alternative being betrayed, being lied to, you know, like what is, what is worse? I, I would say that being betrayed and lied to is worse. I mean, couldn't what I'm imagining somebody might say is something like, "Look, I mean, when's enough enough? Like, you're interested in exploration, mm-hmm. you yeah. want to try all these things, but at some point, haven't you tried everything? And then you kind of know know what's you know the grass isn't greener on the other side. Like, what? I don't know. That, yeah, yeah, I'm wondering what you know. I mean that that can be someone's response, and if they ultimately are monogamous, and just that may be the way that they. They they view it as a phase, like oh you got you got all your yayas out, you've had all these experiences. Now it's time to settle down. And but you know it just doesn't doesn't always work that way. Um, you know maybe for some people that's what they 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 do a certain amount of exploration, and then they they realize they want to scale back and they just want to focus on one partner. And um, I think. It's, it's just being open to wherever you're at and being true to that. 
And I think that's ultimately what I, I, the story I, I wanted to tell in my film. Um, is, yeah. It's mentioned, yeah. it's mentioned, sorry, it's mentioned a couple of times um, that Veronica views Polly as kind of the future mm. or the, the way the, uh, well, just call it the future. I'm not sure exactly how to characterize it. I'm curious if you, mm-hmm. if you feel that way, do you feel that this is uh, a workable um, way for people to be? Do you think it's, or do you, you know, do, or, or do, you, do you think it's flawed in some way? Do you, I mean, obviously there's some people that won't like it, but I'm curious kind of what your conclusions are. If you have conclusions you've drawn about, about mm. how workable it is. I think, I think it's becoming more, I just more accepted and, and more um, acknowledged as an alternative to monogamy. So just, just to have another choice other than monogamy and lying and cheating. Mm-hmm. Like those are the two choices that have existed over millennia. Um, and I mean, I mean, I mean, and then also there's polygamy. There are these other structures, the polygamy, polygyny, and these other structures in other cultures that have existed for a very long time as well. Um, <clears throat> but I just think, I don't think it's ever going to predominate or like take over monogamy. I just think it's going to grow to the point where it's more of an equal option. And then I think that maybe there'll be like less divorces. There'll be less like, like marriage will not be equated with monogamy anymore. Like I, I did not, I, I was married. I'm still, I'm separated now, but we we did not marry with the intention to be monogamous. <laughs> like okay. that was not that was not the point of of getting married for us. Got it. So, and you think yeah. that you think that it, it's it's certainly it's at least there are situations. Well, I mean, with the divorce rate as high as it is, it's reasonable to think that there are situations where um, another arrangement would. Mm-hmm. Uh, help people uh, uh, help help it work out better. Basically, yeah. I mean, one of the top reasons why people separate and divorce or break up uh, is infidelity, right? Uh, cheating, some kind of infidelity, yes. lying, cheating, whatever, betrayal. Um, so, you know, eliminating that reason, I think, would el- would like significantly lower the number of of divorces and relationships that that end prematurely (laughs) cool well it's been almost an hour um is there anything else you'd like to let our listeners know before i before i make sure they they know how to how to watch the film and how great it is Uh, um just to like i encourage everyone to just and be honest with yourself and your desires and like listen to your desires and and i i hope when you watch the film that you'll you'll take something away from it whether it's a uh, questioning questioning something or maybe inspiring some curiosity to explore something that you haven't given yourself permission to explore 
or um, anything. But but I mean, ultimately, what it comes down to is is being true to yourself, loving yourself, and um, and respecting yourself enough to to be true to your desires, and then the the right relationship or relationships for you will manifest. Right. Well, that's, I mean, yeah, we, we've on this podcast taken some flack before for being honest, uh, as honest as we can. <laughs> so I know what that's like. And, um, and you know, that I honesty, I think is the word I would use to describe the film. It's, it, it's very believable. It's, it's great. So the film is called lust, life, love, I'm here with Stephanie Sellers, and I encourage everybody to check it out. I will put in the uh, show notes how to access it, uh, and it's available on various video demand platforms. Um, and also, you can find Stephanie on social media. Um, and I really appreciate you being here, and our listeners, I'm sure, appreciate it too. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Set.